Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome back to Habs Unfiltered, episode 363. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang, joined by my co-host, Matt Smith. Afternoon. Trag Wilson. Peace. And our very special returning guest, who may as well just be on the show, Lyle Richardson, a.k.a. Spectres Hockey. Welcome back. Thanks for having me back, guys. Always a pleasure. We're finally all home. I got you. I got you. It's working. I'm just bugging you. Stop. Fuck, fuck you. <laughs> fuck it off. We're finally all home. All our technical issues are still being sorted out, but here we are. Um, after the airlines completely screwed us over and over again, but here we are. Uh, we're back and we're going to do a show on several items the the nhl draft some of the moves in the offseason and we'll talk specifically about reinbacher so we'll start it off with the draft um the main focus there was the three goaltenders i don't know what shock about draft never happened because i never made it We did miss you, though. Everybody else heard me, Blaine. It's not going to work. They just laughed at my joke. <laughs> so, all right. So, three goalies. Uh, Treg, you weren't there, so it didn't exist. Matt, what was your view on it? Picking the three goalies. Yes, that's why. I, um, I was. I was happy with. Uh, I was. I was happy with the pick uh, with Fowler. Um, we got to meet him. Um, when we were having dinner and his, and his father, really nice kid, um, big guy. He's going to be, he's, he's still growing. Um, but for them to be able to pick him up when uh, a lot of goalies went in the second round, it was, uh, I think it was a, it was a well-used pick and um, picking up Miller, who's going to be um, the, uh, the starter in Quebec. And then this like unknown Russian guy that doesn't even have a picture. I, I, I think, you know, I, I I think that I think they're going to be just fine. To be honest, like it, yes, you can get into the you should have picked this player, you should have picked this player debate when you're looking at, uh, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounds. But I I, I think they I think they did fine in in that uh, in that regard, and uh, it was a an area of need. So you look into next season. Well, maybe they won't draft three goalies. Maybe they maybe they will, but. Uh, they they're stocking the cupboards a little bit more for a uh, an area of need within the organization. Yeah, and I see it kind of like uh, you're you're shooting at a target. The more bullets you have, the more likely you're to hit the target. So with three shots on target, they're likely to hit one. I don't know if it'll be a starter or not, but that's that's how I see the reasoning behind what they did. Lyle, what about you? What did you see out of that? Well, I mean, it, it, it is a, we talked about this uh, just before coming on the air. I mean, if, if you looked at the Canadians goaltending depth 
prior to this draft, it was pretty shallow. So to to select three goaltenders, I mean, that made sense to me. You know, you, you have to start somewhere. And I mean, uh, granted, yes, you can get into debates about, well, maybe they should have taken this forward or maybe they should have focused on a defense or whatever. But as, as you guys pointed out, th- this was a need that had to be addressed and they took the opportunity to do it this year. Um, you know, evidently there wasn't uh, sufficient depth in last year's draft uh, to make that kind of move. So I didn't have a problem with it. When you, when you go into a draft, uh, you're looking to address specific needs. So in, in terms of uh, grabbing three goaltenders, made perfect sense to me. If you, again, if you looked at their prospect depth heading into this draft. Now the, uh, they made a trade the day before the draft because the actual draft day, well, both days were boring as shit. There was very little movement (laughs) considering all the hype. Fun fun fact about this year's draft in the first round, it's the first time since 2007 there had not been any trades made, not even to move up or down in the in the order. First time in, you know, 16, 17 years that that happened, which is bizarre (laughs) when you consider, you know, again, you know, the uh, the amount of hype going in because regarding the prospects and of course all the the notable names that were out there uh we'd already had Pierre-Luc Dubois traded you know a day or two leading up to this so there was all kinds of excitement that there would be maybe somebody like Connor Hellebeck would get moved or Alex Dobrynko would might get moved and instead we had crickets <laughs> and on yeah. day two we did have three trades um which just you know, it was a, a who's who of who cares. I mean, that's kind of cruel in a way. I mean, Josh Bailey getting traded and, and uh, you know, bought out. That was kind of sad um, for him. He's the longest serving, longest serving active New York Islander at that time. Um, you know, we had our old buddy, Corey Perry. God bless him. Bless his heart. Uh, but you know, he, he took the, took the trade to, uh, you know, took the move to uh, Chicago, signed a one-year deal for 4 million. You know, that's a, that's a pay bump for, for him that he hasn't seen in a while. And people can say, why did you take that? Why did, why would you accept that? Because this is an opportunity, a unique opportunity for this guy to play with the next generational talent in Connor Bedard. So, you know, not bad there. And then, of course, the Oilers just doing straight salary dump and sending Yamamoto and Costin to uh, to Chicago, so Detroit. Detroit, Detroit. I'm sorry. Okay. Yes, it was because I'm saying I got Corey Perry on the brain going. To <laughs> My bad. It's been a long week. Okay, shut up. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh, going to uh, going to Detroit and a salary dump and uh, Costin. I think they're still trying to to hammer out a deal with him. They didn't. He, he signed him. with uh, he signed they with did, Detroit and Yamamoto was bought out. I, I knew Yamamoto got bought out. Yeah. He went to say he went to, uh, he went to Seattle. 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 Yeah. 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 So yeah. he stayed at West. Yeah. 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 And during the draft, we're watching the first day. Uh, Matt and I are watching uh, Kent Hughes closely. And he got up to do something. Oh, wow. Finally, something's going to happen. And it was just a pee, probably a pee break. <laughs> that was the highlight. Mm, a pee yeah. Break. And if I, it, I, yeah. I was saying watching from my hotel room in Ottawa. Um, <laughs> I was saying to Tina, I said, this is the fastest first round I've seen in 
Like I said, when we were oh. in Montreal, it seemed like the first round went forever. Like mm-hmm. it was yeah. like you're looking at your watch, you're like, oh my God, it's one in the morning. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah, a lot of stuff happened in last year's draft. We're only yeah. on pick 22. Um yeah. but uh uh yeah, so I uh I was saying it's really quick, and it's because and there was no trades. I, I was surprised yes. at that. I mean, I know Montreal speaking of Montreal's trade with New Hook, I think they paid too much for him. I'm not against getting New Hook. Uh, I know what, but I, I thought the 31 and 37 to me was a little too much. Um, yeah, I'm just saying, like, I knew it was a deep, I knew it was a deep draft. And to me, that's almost like two first round picks, two late first round picks. But if you look at the percentage of odds of that player, and that part of the draft, making the NHL, I get they're low, but um, I think it would have took the ease off the fans' minds of who they picked, if they at least still had the 37th pick. Um, we'll get into that later. Oh, we'll get into um, that, too. I have things to say about that. Yeah. But, yeah, but no, it, I mean, and I mean, to your point, though, Treg, I mean, yeah. you know, you and I go, and I mean, yeah, I mean, you can quibble. I I, I wasn't heartbroken about it because... because I wasn't hope, either. Oh, I just be, thought, yeah. you know, yeah, no, might have got it for less. It's a fair, no, but that's a fair thing. I mean, look, mm. it's it's... I have no issue with anybody disagreeing with yeah. or, you know, questioning, you know, uh, oh, I gave up too much or, oh, they should have given this up. I mean, that, that, that's fair enough. I mean, to, to my way of looking at it, I mean, New Hook, former first round pick from the same draft class as Kirby Doc and the same draft class as Cole Coffin. Cole Coffin. thank you very much well done matt yeah <laughs> no but exactly so i mean former first round pick with two years uh experience already under his belt it's only what 22 uh has won a stanley cup already so you know still has room for upside coming into a, a very good situation with uh with a guy who is rapidly becoming the epitome of a player's coach in in martin saint louis so, you know, if this works out the way that Ken Hughes thinks it might, and and I'm sure you guys all know Ken Hughes is his former agent, uh, you know, if this works out, I don't think anybody's going to have any issue with them having given up those two picks. Yeah, because they give up, they, they, gave, they gave up 13, they gave up 13 to get Kirby Doc. Yeah, who was a yeah. number three pick in 2019. Right. And now you gave up a 31st and a 37th for the guy who was the 16th, I believe, 16th selected 16th. right after Caulfield. Yeah. So yep. not bad. I thought York yep. was right after Caulfield. No, York was right before. He was right before. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Yes. Yeah, That's right. why Flyers fans, every time they right. see Caulfield play, they die a little inside. <laughs> oh, trust me. I've got a couple <sighs> of friends who are Flyers fans and they're just like, oh, we could have had him. Oh, yeah. I love rubbing it into my, the guy who runs my, who helps uh, run my website, Corey Poulton, great guy, but he's a diehard Flyers fan. And every time I was just like, you know, Hey, Caulfield scored a beauty the other night. You see that? And he just shut up, Lyle, shut up or I'll take your site down. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, obviously you look at the, uh, you look at the trades that were made. Yeah. Doc came in, he put up less points in the year he was drafted or the year he was traded to Montreal. Um, then started working with St. Louis and on this, you know, youth team. And we kind of saw the player that Kirby Doc can be mm-hmm. when he's, when he's healthy. Yes. Um, second and second in points. And he played 58 games. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, you know, you look at new hook 
if he can get that same sort of push, mm-hmm. yes, he played for a better team this year than than Doc played the year that he uh, was traded. But for a guy to still put up 30 points on more of a depth role yeah. in, in Colorado, I, th- I think that uh, given the opportunity to at least um, possibly be a top sw- top six winger in Montreal will be, uh, I, th- I think it'll, I think it'll bode well for him. Mm-hmm. And the scenario is different as well. In, in Colorado, they were there to win. Yes. So any little error, any little mistake, yeah. you're back down the lineup. They had to yeah. bury him down. Yeah. Yeah. They but were in Montreal. They were, that's that's the word that that I kind of heard from this is is they like Newhook, but they were hoping for his development to be further along than it than it already yeah. is. And as you said, yeah, they're in win now mentality for obvious reasons. So they don't have the luxury of being patient. Yeah. With with some of these kids, they want to see that. They have a timeline. They have an, an expectation. If you haven't reached it by then, then they're going to ship you out and make either for somebody who can or to get your salary off the books so that yeah. they can sign somebody who will. Yeah. Well, with yeah. the plethora of it, injuries it, that they had, he had a good, uh, mm-hmm. he had a good try. Let's just say that to, to, mm-hmm. to take that jump. Well, I mean, two, two consecutive 30 point seasons in predominantly a third line role. That's yeah. nothing to on a, on a deep club. Right. Colorado, that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, and and he only averaged something like he only averaged something like ten or eleven minutes per game. It wasn't uh, he didn't yeah. go crazy. It's a little the, more than that, I think. But to your uh, point, well, though, yeah. yeah, he wasn't logging. Yeah, he yeah, wasn't 30, logging second line minutes or no, thirteen fifty. There you go. Yeah. yeah, and his uh, his analytics looked really good too. That's part of why they went after him, mm-hmm. not just because and he his was speed his agent. and his speed, and speed yeah. this yeah. kid's got wheels so yeah. he's going to fit in very well on that high tempo style that they're trying to put in in montreal and, and moving him to the wing uh would benefit the speed aspect because then he's up a little yeah. higher towards the defenseman and because of his speed especially his first step speed he can really pick up his speed immediately yeah. he'll have the opportunity to either force the defense to move back opening up space or beat them straight yeah. out in a foot race, creating yeah. opportunities with breakaways. So it, it, it opens up a lot of possibilities. And with Montreal really not looking to win, they want to compete, but they're not, they're not, oh, we got to win now. So they can live with some mistakes and he can yeah. develop a little bit more. But I agree with, I agree with Treg to a point. Um, I feel like it's an overpay only in that, it, I would have preferred to see them keep the second this year and use a second next year, mm. you know, kind of offset the picks. Yeah. I like Other that 37th that, pick. I, I knew they were going after a goalie and I thought at 37, they probably could have gotten uh, Augustine or I don't think Harabble dropped that far. I think he probably went 38. Oh, did he see? They could have got someone like Harabble. Yeah, Nothing against Fowler. I, I love Fowler. I love that pick. Cause he was between Harabble, Augustine. I think Fowler was the next uh, big guy. Gagin uh, was the first one that went. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is a bit of a surprise for me, but he had a great world. Ju- he had a great world junior championship. So he did. Um, I wanted to see the Canadians draft a forward with that pick. There was a lot of really good young forwards still available. Oh yes, and the one that went at thirty-seven would have been an excellent fit for the Canadians. Yeah, at thirty-seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go- that was Gauthier, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it yeah. was. Yeah, first player in the queue to get drafted. Yeah. 
That's another, <laughs> that's another whole, fun fact. This this yeah. year was the first draft in a very long time where a player from the queue did not go in the first round. Yeah. And it was one of the lowest ever outputs for Q players. Oh yeah, they only the only twelve of them got picked. Yeah, only twelve. Yeah. I was gonna say yeah, it was less than fifteen. Yeah, and that's just shocking to yeah. me. That's yeah. absolutely shocking. The Q is one of the main feeder leagues for the NHL. Has been for decades, but it's been this steady decline. Decline. Yeah. You know. Um. Yes. I mean, it's but it was offset because along the way you had guys like Nathan McKinnon you know, come up and go first, you know, first overall, uh, Alexis Lafreniere come up and get taken first overall. So that kind of papered over the whole, you know, Oh, the Q. Oh no, look, see, we're still putting out. Well, now you're not, you know, but they're winning. The thing is, is their teams are winning the, uh, Memorial yeah, cup. The Memorial however, cup. however, individually players yes. are not to the same speed as this, as the OHL, their WHL. Or yep. the NCAA, they're just not. Yep. You have the odd player here on the team here or there that's good. And other than that, mm-hmm. development in Quebec just isn't on the same level as everywhere else in North America right now. Yeah. Well, they're they're under the microscope right now because Hockey, Hockey Quebec is looking at their development program. Mm-hmm. And they're noticing some major gaps. There's, yeah. there's issues with developing skill, especially at the younger ages. And yeah. they're focusing far too much on actual games versus practice where they can actually build up these individual skills that can make them better players in yeah. the long run. And now so they want to take fighting out. They did. Oh, yeah, well, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Right. So that's because they promised the premier Quebec. They do that. Right. That's why it's just going to make that league even worse. Right. Or it could be an interesting experiment in which we start seeing more skill guys coming out of that league. Who knows? We never know. So we start but seeing then, people getting cross shipped in the head. But but at the same but at the same time, you're gonna you're gonna get guys that are gonna come into that league and not be used to ever going through that kind of uh, that play, and they're gonna get they're gonna get rocked. Yeah, like, well, that, because, well, that's been the... so, so like what do you like what do you do with the memorial cup like all of a sudden like yeah like there's not a lot of fighting usually in the memorial cup but guys oh, the, queue, lot, the, the the one thing i think matt is you got to start see a lot more chippy play yes yeah, yeah. a yes, lot absolutely. more sneaky yeah. dirty you're gonna yeah. see more spearing you're gonna see yeah. butt ending you're gonna right? see like i saw that lots like so i the ojhl is in this city mm-hmm. and um when they went to everyone wearing a full cage or a full bubble or with a fishbowl, whatever the hell you want to call it, um, fighting was gone. You still see fights very, very, very seldom. You see fights because you just see guys punching cages, which makes no goddamn sense to me. But that's what you ended up seeing. It was more checks into the boards from behind. It was more yeah. spearing. It was more slashes. It was more of the, the dirty stuff that on any given day is going to result in a more major injury than a punch to the face. Mm. Right. So we should, we shall see. Yep. No. And it, the transition from junior to pro, like you said, is going to be a little harder. They're mm. going to, it's going to take them more time to, uh, to adjust more time to develop these Q players, which means they're probably going to be drafting a few less. Mm. You yeah, got, it's also going to that issue plus the skill issue. It's it's going to add up to a, negative numbers. You're also going to get the fringe kids who have a little bit of development, a little bit of skill, but they're really tough and they can play a really tough hockey game. They're going to get left behind because now yeah, they can't they play can't that tough hockey. That. They can't yeah. demonstrate that. 
Because no one's going to draft him to the queue from uh, the the mate uh, from midget major midget because they're like, well, yeah, he's tough. I would draft him two years ago, right? But wow, well, we we can't use him. Yeah, I think you'll see an influx of kids getting uh, taking the NCAA route instead of trying to go into yeah. major junior mm-hmm. in Quebec now. Yeah, yeah, which will benefit the NCAA. Oh, and, listen, the NCAA, I mean, and 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 also the United States National Team Development Program, more and more players are coming out of those two than, you know, I mean, it's just been growing and growing. In fact, I believe, if memory serves, looking at the uh, the stats, I believe the US NDD, NDTP had the most players come out of their system this year. They led the, the uh, this year's draft class. Which doesn't surprise me. I've been following them, you know, for the last last decade, and they're doing it right. They're doing it right down there. It's like there. 2019. Their whole team was drafted almost in the first round. Mm-hmm. Well, I was just going to mention that in 2019, they had yeah. broke the record for most NCAA players in the first round to be drafted, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just uh, it's a good program. It's just an excellent program. Now. Before we leave the uh, the talk about the draft, uh, what are the grades you guys are going to provide for the Canadians at this draft? Uh, I know it's an instant uh, reaction to something that takes five years to actually see, but based on the picks that were made, uh, were the players la- uh, were on people's lists, uh, on your own personal list even, uh, the direction they took, the, the whole thing, what would you grade it? So... Uh, Lyle, you're the guest. You go first. I I give it a B. You know, I would hesitate. I, you know, I was kind of leaning toward B minus, but I think that that's a little overly harsh. I think the uh, the Reinbacher pick pulls that up. Okay, because of course, you know, we they also traded away the thirty first and thirty seventh, so you know it might have skewed higher, a little higher than that had they not done that. You know, so I, I I give it a solid B because as I said at the start of the show. They went into this draft with specific needs to address. Now, I believe they came out of them having addressed them. Now, as you said, I mean, apart from, you know, the fifth overall pick, um, whether the other one, how the other ones pan out, of course, it remains to be seen. It's always a crapshoot. Uh, it, hell, it's a crapshoot once you get in a lot of cases, once you get out of the top 10, for heaven's sake. Um, but uh, given everything overall, I, I give it a B. Matt, what about you? I'd say a B minus, just be, just based on the fact that there's too many unknowns right now, and some of these uh, some of these players that they drafted. The more that I'm looking into them, and the more that I'm asking people about them, uh, the more confident I am about them. Um, especially the Russian goaltender, the Russian defenseman they got that played in the KHL, um, that Philip Eriksson as well out of Sweden, like. Um, Pat said some really good things about him that we discussed at the draft. Um, and I think I dropped the minus down just based on the fact that uh, when they picked that defenseman, they could have got Hampton Slignuski, just to let you know. So, <laughs> and unfortunately they didn't, but um, well, overall, the overall though, um, yeah, I say B minus a little bit, a little bit too much uh, unknown at the moment. However, I am excited to see, even though it was a reach or a pick, the Florian Jacki pick. If he plays and he has the heart of his brother, a guy that went undrafted, 
worked his way up, worked at Costco, et cetera, but worked his way up, got a, got a development camp, uh, invite, walked out with a contract. And now he's a fan favorite in Montreal. If he has the same drive as his brother, then, um, you know, you get a fourth, you get a, uh, even if he ends up being a fourth line grinding winger for a fourth round pick, I'll definitely take that. And to keep, uh, to keep his brother happy in Montreal, I'm, uh, I'm happy with that. I give it a B. I go with uh, I'm going to go with Lyle here and agree. I give it a B. I really like the Grindbach pick. I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting a Leonard, to be honest with you. Um, but I was happy with Reinbacher. Uh, the more I hear about him, the more I uh, read about him, um, the more I like him, the more I, I hear uh, Daniel Winnick had lots of good things to say yes. about him. Uh, same with uh, Guy Boucher, who coached over in the Swiss yeah, League. Yeah, we'll yeah, get, we'll get all to that. that. Uh, I love the Russian goalie pick. I love the 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 Fowler pick. Uh, I thought that I was really excited about those. Other than that, I didn't like any of the other picks really. To be honest with you, I was kind of like, eh. I think Florian was a reach at four. I think you could have got him pretty much any time in the draft. Uh, I agree with you, Matt. If he's like his brother, I think he could be a, a, a Pizzetta type player on a fourth line that's just going to give you energy, energy, energy. Yeah. Um, and that would be good to have Pizzetta was yeah, a fifth round, yeah. right? Pizzetta was a fifth yeah. round pick at a, at a Sudbury. And, if he can be like uh, that, I'd be happy. But I think they left a lot on the floor that they could yep. have, you know what I mean? Like they passed on a lot of players that to pick these odd ball players up that you, you could have went, huh, right. I don't know, especially, especially with how the fifth pick. And I know we're going to get into that later. Um, I thought maybe. And with a defense strong uh, draft next year, I thought maybe the later picks would be more forwards than that. I have no issue with the three goalies. Yeah, I, I understand that completely. Um, although I think Quentin Miller was a Quebec, the obligatory Quebec pick. Um, have a Quentin Miller, even though he's from Montreal. He's from Montreal, you're leave not, not even a notice. Yeah, Montreal hey. plays for Quebec, so he just won a, he just yeah. he just won a Memorial Cup as a backup. So yeah. let's. Uh, with an Anglo name, it's not gonna it's not gonna appease the people you think it's gonna appease. Well, it's the Quebec pick. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I truly, but yeah, I, tr I truly, I truly, I truly thought that they were gonna take a take a run at Justin Gill. Uh, he wanted he wanted to pick after the Russian goaltender, and uh, another guy that was on my list was uh, Mateo Mann. And I don't, I can't believe how. I guess he's a big guy. He's not the most mobile. Um, however, he's got just. He's just a, a huge presence, a massive, massive, massive guy. We, we was sitting just over across from where we were and like, he's a thick boy. Let's just say that. And for him to drop to the seventh pick of the seventh round, a guy that played in the prospects game, et cetera. I was a little bit surprised that uh, maybe Montreal didn't take a run at him, but. Was Florian Jack eye at the draft? No. No. Yeah, because I thought I seen they were talking to him, interview him today, and I thought someone asked. I heard you went to the gym during the draft, and he goes, "Yeah, I just." And I thought, "Oh, he wasn't there. He didn't show up to the draft." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A little chuckle went around the area as soon as they called his name. Everyone was looking around, and go, "He's not even here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I just that, had to ask that. that like, oh, that tells you they didn't expect shit. <laughs> I would have known if I was there, but I didn't make it. Thanks, United. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, and, and for me, um, I'm not as high on the draft as you guys, 
Because for me, a good draft means you're looking at it and you're saying there's at least two NHLers in that group. And right now, I only see one surefire NHLer. And the other one's a big question mark in uh, Fowler. And the rest, maybe, maybe. Because they're... uh, I don't mind the reaches they made. I, I understand the reasoning behind uh, going for the three goalies. Uh, Luke Middlestat at the end made total sense to me. You know, they they picked up a kid who was sliding that has a certain skill set that fits their program. But you look at the, the draft class and I can say maybe two. Last year, they had they had four, maybe maybe five people who can make the NHL out of that class. To me, that's excellent. This one here is a little less uh, <laughs> less impressive. So um, like a C plus to B minus, that's where I'm at. I was going to say C, but I bumped it up to a <laughs> Now, Now I feel like going back to my C. <laughs> yeah, too late. Too late. So it's, too late. It's been locked in, Treg. Sorry. <laughs> no take. Because I, I agree with Blaine. The other picks oh, yeah. to me were, sure. besides Fowler and, uh, and Reinbacher, I like the Russian goalie, but is he ever going to play in the NHL? Is he ever even going to come to North America? We don't know. Are we even um, going to ever see what he looks like? Yeah. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> well, here's um, the way I look Erickson. at it, though. If, if, if you have five or six guys in the previous draft who you could make yeah. the NHL or look like NHLers, yeah. then the following year you can offset it if you only have one. Okay? You're going to get that. Some years you're going you're gonna to hit home runs. Some years you're going to hit triples. And some years you get a single. It's the way it goes, yep. you know. Now, the, the, there's a the pick in the sixth round, the Swedish center, Ericsson. That one, to me, is very interesting because he was injured most of the year and he probably got overlooked because of the lack of Ewings. So he was over a point per game. He, he's a big enough kid. He's got some decent size to him. He's still growing. Um, and he's with a really good program with the Vaxo Lakes, the Lakers. So going back to the SHL next year, if he stays healthy and he still continues to put up those points, people are going to start looking at it, at him like a massive steal. And then suddenly everybody's grades are going to shoot right up on this draft. So yep. there's that possibility. Yeah. <laughs> who won? This is who, all. The, which team won the draft for you? Chicago. Cause it got Bedard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, apart from the obvious, yeah, but they all, yeah, they also got. Uh, I say they also got Oliver Moore as well. Yeah. I say I say Arizona. I think Arizona made excellent picks because of their suits. Yeah, <laughs> actually, that's why I was going to say Arizona because they all wore the same suit. They went to the gentlemen's of... warehouse. I what guarantee a... it. Yeah, what a bunch of nerds! Oh my god. <laughs> It's like, oh, look, they took their mom's drapes and made suits out of them. That's awesome. Aren't you special? And our friend Patrick Brown, who works with Arizona. Hi. (laughs) Nerds. (laughs) Actually, I I can't say Arizona because I think I don't think that sixth pick was a very good pick. I don't think the Russian defenseman was a very good pick. That 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 was an (laughs) eye opener, too. Yeah. Like, like, you know, right after, you know, a process Montreal's pick and then they, you know move up and they take Shima Chef. Even the kid was shocked. He When they cut yeah. to him, like he was just flabbergasted. I mean, he was delighted, but he, he did not expect to go that high. But it goes to show why Montreal didn't trade back. I think Montreal knew Arizona was taking a defenseman 
Yeah. And I think Montreal knew if it, they didn't get Reinbacher yes. at five, yeah. they weren't getting him at seven or yeah. wherever they would have traded. And back that, to. that's what I was kind of hearing, you know, sort of like almost yeah. immediately after that is that they had, is that the Coyotes had Shemeshev at, at, as their second defenseman they were going to take. And when Reinbacher was the prize. And when Montreal grabbed him, they immediately hit to their, yeah. their fallback. So because you're right, if 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 Montreal had had done what their fans wanted them to do, uh, Reinbacher would have been a bit. Oh, we're oh we're going to get to that. Uh, <laughs> if they had done what Rhyme, if they if if Reinbacher had fallen to sick, they, I don't see them passing on him. No, they, they yeah. and that just proves right there that the <clears throat> Russian factor wasn't really a factor. This was a Mitchkov no. factor. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with Russia. Mm-hmm. Everything yep. to do with the player. I also think now. Trading back would have made sense if they were after a guy like Leonard, maybe. Mm. Uh, yeah. But Reinbacher was their guy. Reinbacher yeah. was the yep. guy. And I just want to say, I know you're going to get into a rant, Lyle, but I just want to say, <laughs> when ple- when a GM says best player available, that mm. doesn't necessarily mean the best talented person available. They mean the best player available for their team. Yep. Is what they're talking about. On their list. On their list. Mm-hmm. Just because you think Mitchkov is going to be the second best uh, offensive player in this draft that you really have no idea whether he is or not. Because mm-hmm. there's a reason he dropped to seven. Mm-hmm. If he was going to be the second ta- most talented player in the draft, he would have went in the top three. Yep. I don't care about Fantelli. I don't care about Carlson. Yep. I don't. If he is the second best person in this draft, offensively or not, he would have went top three. Yep. Absolutely. And Absolutely, he, he would. And so, don't give me this whole. Oh well, he, we better pick him at five because he's going to be this good. No, there's a reason he's at five now. Why is that reason? Why? Mm-hmm. Why is he not? And everyone's like, "Oh, well, they're saying he's as good as Bedard." Obviously not, because he's at five. There's yep. four other guys. Bedard... Everyone thinks is better, <clears throat> right? For a reason. Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. Bedard does yeah. something that Mitchkov doesn't, and that's back check. Mm-hmm. Well, according to uh, Simon uh, Saint Laurent, I think it's Saint. I think I said it right. Uh, he said he doesn't play defense mm-hmm. in the VHL or is it MHL? MHL. Yeah, he played no defense whatsoever. He yeah. said this team would go in and he would stand up by the blue line and Cherry wait pick. for the puck and wait for the Cherry puck pick. to come out. And he played it not Cherry whatsoever. Picker. Then when he got to the VHL, he played a little bit more because he kind of had to. Yeah, and you have to take into consideration he played on the worst team in the KHL. For twenty some twenty seven games, mm-hmm. and was given all the minutes he could ask for, because mm-hmm. he was the best player on the team. Let's see how he does in Saint Petersburg before yes. we anoint this guy as the second best offensive. And I made the point: Nigel Dawes was a top scorer in the KHL. Mm-hmm. Not, he couldn't crack crack the NHL. That's right. Right. So don't tell me because he's killing it in the KHL. He's an automatic short thing in the NHL because mm-hmm. I mean we're getting we just signed a guy Millet, uh, Millet, uh, yeah. it's Philip Mayer yeah. or whatever, yeah. Who was yeah, a point per game one. player in the KHL, <laughs> was a top scorer in the AHL when he was there, almost a point per game player in the AHL, can't crack the NHL, right? So there's a mm-hmm. lot there's a lot behind making the NHL. It's more than just being able to shoot well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every aspect of well, the game has to be near perfect. The, the whole thing, and it sounds like we're going to we're starting to drift into this. Yeah. So, which is fine, <laughs> fine by me. Um, yeah, 
the the whole thing. I mean, with with Mishkov going into this draft, just even going into this draft before we knew where where he was going to end up and what the reaction was going to be from a certain segment of the Montreal faithful. The the knock on this kid going in was some of the things we've already talked about, but and and you know the Canadians mentioned this afterwards as well after the draft is yes they'd heard a lot about this kid and what he could do but they could not go and actually physically scout this kid because of the travel restrictions to Russia that had been imposed because of the invasion of Ukraine now they have their bird dogs over there of course but it's one thing to see video or to hear from your your guys saying yeah this guy's this this guy's that but when you hear about this, when your bird dogs are telling you, hey, listen, you you know, this kid's pretty good. The thing they say is you should come over and take a look at him. OK, and they couldn't do that. So they had to rely on video. Now, video is great. OK, it's it's a good tool to have. But as as Ken Hughes and, and their scouting staff said, it doesn't replace you actually going and physically watching this kid and then afterwards going and talking to this kid. And that was another thing, too. He he gave no interviews. He gave no interviews. He had no discussions with anybody after the games. Even their scouts, their bird dogs over there weren't allowed to talk to him. Okay? So right off the bat, you have no idea about his character. You you have no idea. Nobody has actually physically seen him play even in an international tournament in two years, when I believe he was what, 15 turning 16? So we don't know. It it just, yes, there's all this different stuff that you hear about it, but for all this talk about his great shot, you also hear that his foot speed is average. You know, he doesn't have blazing speed. Um, as you said, he does he does not back check. Now, yes, we know, okay, well, that can be taught to him afterwards. Yes, of course. But for a kid who is being hyped as you know, supposedly the best Russian prospect since Ovechkin. And Ovechkin, we all knew about that kid long before we first saw him in his first World Junior, for God's sake, right? So to hear that comparison is like, uh, a little leery. Meanwhile, they knew everything they needed to know about David Reinbacher. We knew as fans, if you watched the World Junior, if you even watched, you know, uh, you know, the uh, the world championship, if you watched, even just watch those as a casual fan, Reinbacher stood out to you. OK, and he was well scouted. He played in the top league, Swiss League, which is a pro league. He played there. You know, as you said, Daniel Winnick just said, you know, he, he did. And I love Daniel Winnick dis, disagree with Craig Button, who I love. Craig Craig's a Craig's a terrific guy. I know nothing against Craig Button. But he he thought Craig's analysis of Reinbacher as I compare him, I consider him like an, an Adam Larson. And that's no knock against Adam Larson, who's a solid, a solid NHL defenseman. But he he considered Reinbacher to be like a, a, a second pairing guy like an Adam Larson. And Winnick's just like, no, I don't agree with that. That's too harsh. You know, I've played against this kid and he's got mad skills here, you know. So they knew going into this draft what Reinbacher was. They knew he was ranked, ranked as the top defenseman in this draft. Everything I read and heard about this kid, top defenseman in this draft, top defenseman in this draft. You have the opportunity to grab this guy. You're looking at, you want to fill a need, which is that need for a right shot defenseman, 
in your prospect pool. Yes, you've got, yes, got lots of defensemen, but most of them are left shot guys. Here's a righty, okay? A righty who stood out in the Swiss League against pros, in the World Juniors, so on and so on. You, you, you go for that guy rather than the international man of mystery that you've heard a lot about but haven't really seen. If you've got any doubt in your gut as a scout or as a general manager about a player, don't take him because the odds of that blowing up in your face are greater than the odds of it panning out. When I hear them, people say, oh, Montreal made the safe pick. It was the safe pick. They should have gambled. Come on, gamble a little. Go ahead. If they gamble and this blows up and blew up in their face and they took Mishkov, what do you think the reaction would be? Oh, we don't have to wait because we know what the reaction is going to be because we've heard it already. From certain writers and commentators who I'm not going to get into right now because I do not want to get into pissing contests, but... The, the, the running theme I was seeing from some writers I respected, from writers that think I should know better, is this is the most consequential draft in Ken Hughes' tenure as general manager. If he gets this wrong, it will have devastating consequences for this rebuilding franchise. It will set them back five years in their development. This was the friggin' overhyped nonsense coming from the some not all but some in the media and i'm like wait a minute if this was ken hughes's first draft i could understand that reaction are you they totally forgot what he did last year totally ignored that to me that was the consequential draft it's your very first one and if you don't at least you know hit a, a double to use a baseball euphemism again I mean, okay, then yeah, things things are going to be kind of grim for your rebuilding plan. But he didn't. By all accounts, he, he knocked it out of the park last year. So if this year's draft isn't quite as exciting, if your draft pick, your first round pick, your high first round pick is a safe pick, but it's unsexy because you're not getting the international man of mystery. Well, who cares? The idea here is you're getting the best guy. Reinbacher, if he develops as hoped, good God. I mean, you're going to have, the ne for the next dozen years, the Canadians will be set on the first pairing of their defense. This will be a guy who will be, you know, a highly skilled puck-moving defenseman who will be able to log big minutes. He's not physical, but he can log big minutes. He's going to be able to get that puck up quickly and transition up to our speedy forwards to guys like Caulfield and Suzuki and their bigger guys like Anderson and to hopefully Slavkovsky by that point, right? So I couldn't understand why some folks in the press were reacting the way they were to that pick. Okay? Yeah. If you just look yeah. at Reinbacher next to Hudson, so you're going to have Lane Hudson, who's probably going to be your top offensive defenseman when he gets to the NHL. Yep. you got this Reinbacher guy who's like, hey, you go do your thing. Yeah. Hey, PK Subban, I'll be your Andre Markov. You go do your thing and <laughs> yes. I'll take care. I'll take care of everything else. Yeah. By the way, I'm still going to get my points. because I'm going to say, hey, Cole Caulfield, you just take off, buddy. Here you go. Yeah. So, yeah, thanks for that assist. And, right? oh, and, and on your power play, he's going to use that cannon for a shot. Yeah. Can you imagine if, if it works out as, as, as we're hoping as Habs fans, if it's Hudson and Reinbacher on the playing the points on the power play? 
boom. With so, Caulfield, Suzuki, yeah. and Doc playing playing down low, you you, mm-hmm. you have probably if everything goes as planned, you have yeah. probably one of the best power play units in the NHL. You very well could, especially right? when it's set up as a three-two. You got yeah. you got the two low, one in the center, and then the two high defensemen. Mm. Well, Caulfield's your shooter, mm-hmm. and then these guys are just firing from left, right, and center. So you have multiple options. You got multiple passing lanes. Yep. The power play will improve. Yep. Uh, this is a kid who. At the World Juniors, he's tough as nails. At the World mm-hmm. Juniors, this kid was on IV uh, fluids because he could not eat. He was bedridden between games and practices. If he wasn't on the ice, he was in bed taking IVs. And yet, there he was on the ice logging 20, 25 yep. minutes a night yep. and leading the team and competing against the best in the world at his age group and standing out. Yep. And that's when he's sick. Yeah, he missed. He actually missed the first game of that uh, of the because yeah, he was right. so sick. Yeah, yes, because yeah. he was in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was stuck yeah. in the bathroom. I mean, because yeah. Blade and I covered it. We were talking mm-hmm. to his coach, yep. and he was like, "Man, I can't believe this guy's even playing." Like, I like we didn't want mm-hmm. him to, and he would not have it. He was like, "No," and I mean, Austria was a Halifax favorite. They oh, loved yes. that Austrian team. Yeah, um, yeah. I I was sad. They were sad when they lost that uh, regulation game, but uh, um, if it wasn't for Reinbacher, it would have been lower. And you're talking about a guy like Blaine said, who was just barely eating. Mm-hmm. And I think he played 26, 27 minutes a game. What's he going to be like when he's healthy, right? What's exactly. he going to be like when and he's gets, healthy? And, and, gets a, and gets in an NHL training regime and gets along those with, with those players and everything like that. Yes. And remember, like he's growing. And you mentioned that he's not the most physical player, which we've seen. Yeah, that's something that, given the moment and, and given oh yeah more training, it's something that's going to develop in his game. You don't yeah. usually see a lot of uh, <clears throat> seventeen, eighteen year old thunderous hitting defensemen, right? No, but so. he but he plays so well, he doesn't have to be a yes, physical right. player. He's not yes. a Peter Popovich. I'm going to bring up an old name that people don't know. <laughs> oh, there's right? a deep pull. Oh. Right? He, he's not a gentle giant that <laughs> no. can't play defense. No. he's He can play. He he knows how to push the guy to the boards. He knows how to clear yes. the front of the net. He knows how to protect the puck. He knows how to dig in the corners. He knows how to play every faucet of that defensive game. And he can skate with the puck, and he can move in the puck. He's not like Weber. Weber could do all that in the defensive game, but all he had was a pass out. That's all he yeah. had. That's all he could do was pass it out. He can carry it out. He can yeah. take it out. He can find the man. He also is great at passing. From everything I've read and everything I've oh, seen, yeah. his pass is amazing. It's yeah. stick to stick. Yeah. And uh, I I mean, I get it. Fans are upset. They wanted Mitchkov. They wanted the second, the sexy pick. They yeah. wanted the whatever. But there's a reason he fell to seven. There's a reason he didn't know top three. There's yep. a reason he wasn't even scouted or the the the, the uh, central scouting boards were saying he's five or six or mm-hmm. four or whatever. Yes. Um, and if he, was, Montreal... he, was, he was not the top Nor- European no. pick. He no. was not and... right the top European prospect. You're right, Drake. He was fourth or fifth. In memory, fourth sir. or fifth. And, yes. and there's a reason for that. Linebacker was ahead of him. Yes. And there's a reason for that. And I know what fans are going to say. Oh, well, we're starving for offense. We're starving. Oh. We're starving for offense. Montreal is not going to contend for another two or three years. Yeah. There's two or three more drafts going into the next two or three years. Yep. Yes, I grant it. We're probably going to be picking between 10 and 15 in the next mm-hmm. couple, probably next year, or the next couple of years, if we can stay healthy. And that's okay. 
because mm-hmm. Montreal's building a team. No one thought Doc was going to be, and Doc was on pace for 70 points if he stayed healthy. Yep. Suzuki and Caulfield, Caulfield healthy, Suzuki's on pace for 80 points. Yep. Uh, Caulfield's on pace for 50 goals. Mm-hmm. We have offense, folks. Yeah. We have it's it. It's there. It's there. It is there. <laughs> that Treg, that was one of the things that that really got to me in the reaction of this because yeah. I saw all of that too. Because I, I actually posted up. I said, honest question, Habs fans, you know, why are you upset about this pick? You know, like seriously, honest question. No bullshit. I'm not going to mock you. I want to know. And a lot of the overwhelming for most of them was, same as you say, we're starving for offense. We haven't had an offensive superstar since Guy Lafleur. We haven't had a 50-goal score since Stefan Riche. Haven't had an 80-point score in, you know, since Christ was a cowboy. Whatever, right? And yes, that is a fair complaint. Yes, very much so. But to sit down and say we have no scoring start, and I'm like, I, and I said to one guy, I said, well, Cole Caulfield would like a word. <laughs> you know, we have no scoring start. Cole Caulfield. And, you know, the like, too small gets hurt. What The guy said, too small gets hurt too much. I'm like, what? I mean, okay, yes, he's small, but. Injured, you know, injured once. Injured <laughs> once. Yeah. And another one said, yeah, but he gets all his goals on the on, on the uh, the power play. And I'm like, you did not watch Cole Caulfield no. at all. <laughs> but who, he, but who cares? But who cares if he five did? Five on five. Who cares if he did? Look at, yeah. uh, look at, look at, look at uh, Leon Dreisau. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. Right. He, or, right. He, 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 he makes a living on the power play. Look at Ovechkin. But, but, but right? the fact is, Ovi right? makes yeah. a living on the PP yeah. on the PP as well. Right. So. Lead, uh, all Caulfield was a better five on five scorer than Aston Matthews last year. Yes. Yes, he <laughs> was. But this was the thing. Everybody got hyped about because all we heard in this draft was it's deepest draft in the year, deepest draft in the year. It's funny. Every, every three years we keep hearing this deepest draft in the year. But there was a lot of goal scorers, a lot of scores in this draft, a lot of kids with a lot, you know, plentiful offensive tap. It was a forwards draft. It really was in the first round. So Montreal goes and picks a defenseman and people are going, well, wait a minute. That's, that's not a need. And, uh, you know, and uh, to your, I think it was you, Traeger, Matt, you'd said that next year's draft is, is more defense heavy. Yeah. Yes. And so why didn't they wait and go next year and do that? And it's like, well, because they saw the need now and wanted to address it now when the best defenseman in the draft is available to them rather than wait for a year, pass that kid by, and maybe those defensemen in next year's draft can't carry David Reinbacher's jock. Now, okay. I I will say if Smith, Fantelli, or Carlson fell to five, I do believe oh, they would have went. Oh, absolutely, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. When, when I heard... You know, uh, the Ducks were taking Carlson over Fantilli. I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. For for a brief second, the Hab fan in me just totally freaking. I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. There's a chance. There's a chance. And it's like, no, Lyle, he's going to Columbus. Columbus is taking him. Don't yeah. be silly. And, of course, they did, right? But <laughs> after that, I'm thinking, well, okay, you know, um, maybe like when it came time for their for their pick, I was thinking Ryan Leonard. Because that's what guy, I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. The guy I had yeah. I had picked in my mock draft because I and I you know I had Mitchkov going at number four, but just because to the Sharks because as I said I felt the Sharks needed the depth on the wing and considering what was available I figured that he would be the best one, and so I had the Habs taking Will Smith in part because of course you know Ken Hughes coached him back in Boston, uh, 
didn't happen that way. But I was thinking, okay, maybe Ryan Leonard, maybe, maybe Zach Benson too, you know, they could get somebody like that. And when I heard Reinbacher, my reaction at first was, oh, okay. I wasn't expecting that, but all right. Like, seriously, I, I wasn't, I wasn't excited, but I wasn't upset. I was just like, okay. But then came the fallout and the reaction, and it just kept building and building and building on social media. And it just, to me, got out of hand. See that's what and, knocked out. That's what knocked out Twitter. Yeah, that's what. That's yeah. That's that's what. See, see, you guys. It's all you guys' fault that we all exceeded our rate limits yesterday. God damn it on Twitter. How dare you? But see, this this is this is the thing, and I'm I'm going to kind of go into a little bit of a theory here, guys, very quickly, because if we also notice as well the reaction to the Reinbacher trade, but let's also take a look as well as the reaction to the New Hook trade as well. Because when that trade went down, the reaction of Habs fans was sort of like, what? You know, and why are we trading away as much as we did to get him? And you know, we talked about that earlier. And I think, you know, and again, I have no issue with people questioning the Canadians picking Reinbacher or giving up what they did to get Newhook. Okay. You know, I am not such a fan that I think you you must give unquestioned loyalty to your general manager. They are never wrong. Of course not. You know, it's it's only fair. Hey, sure, question it. But, you know, it led to the reaction was just from so many people was just over to the top to the point where some bozos were actually like, you know, contacting Reinbacher, I guess, on social media and either, you know, threatening him or, or insulting him or whatever. Now, yeah, some idiot had posted up, oh, he's gotten thousands of these messages and now he's questioning whether he'll actually sign with Montreal. Well, first of all, he hasn't signed with Montreal. He can't sign with Montreal yet, you dummy. He's, he's been drafted. Doesn't mean he has to sign with them. And second of all, no, it turned out all turned out to be bullshit. He got some messages, yes. It wasn't thousands. And I love the fact that Montreal, I love the fact Montreal's PR department handled that very well. That whole thing of, oh, they're questioning about whether he'll actually uh, want to play for Montreal after all of this. And then what did they show a few hours later? Here he is in full gear, wearing the number 23. You know, of course, it's his draft year number. But of course, the iconic Bob Ganey as well. And Odie goes to take a shot. And I thought, that was the best way to answer that. Oh, he's not going to suit up for us, huh? What the fuck is this? Here he yeah. is getting ready for development camp. He's out there ready to go before development camp. He, he also won't... said right after the draft in the interview that he's debating yeah. on whether going back to Swiss to finish school, but he said he could also do that during the summer. Yes. Uh, and he's just going to leave it up to the Canadians on whatever they think is best for him. Yeah. That's exactly what he said. After he said he want, he's looking forward he wants to, to be there. On, yeah. He, yeah, as he, fast as possible. He said, yeah. "I'm looking forward to putting on my work boots." Yeah, and get, and yeah. that's the attitude right there. Yeah. Kid's got a great attitude, but I I think that's what got him this, the position because he said, yeah. "I'm ready to work to win a Stanley Cup." Yeah. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Ryan Bacher, one other thing, he got asked. I think one of the worst questions a prospect could ever be asked in the interview process. I don't know if you guys saw this story or not, but it was they Ryan Bacher was asked. He said the World okay, War II one? It's World War, yes, it's World War II. 
and you're in the Navy and you know, you're going on a mission, but one of your ships got sunk and your friends are, your buddies are all in the water. Do you carry on with a mission or go back and save them? And I'm sitting there going, okay, first of all, World War II, all right, uh, that's probably not a good question to ask somebody of Austrian descent. Uh, and second of all, Austria doesn't have a navy, you dumb fucks. It's a landlocked country. What the hell is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? It's like, why are you asking a kid? It doesn't matter, though, his nationality or whatever. Why are you asking a kid who just wants to play hockey and, and hope dreams of making the NHL? That kind of stupid question. I, uh, Chris Dingman, he mentioned, he said, that's right up there with, okay, your house is on fire. You can, your family's trapped inside. You can only rescue one family member. Who do you rescue? What? Jesus, we don't ask that question when people want to sign up for the Canadian forces for the love of God, right? And we're asking people to put their lives on the goddamn line, right? And you're asking a fucking, an aspiring hockey player that question? What is wrong with you? Seriously, whoever's asking that question on the evaluation staff, they need some professional help, I think. Somebody read a little too much Ayn Rand. You know, maybe a little too much Nietzsche when they were in college. Huh? What do you think there, Chachi? Anyway. Um, but It's I just, a game, not the war. Oh, fuck, I know. I know, right? But just to kind of roll it all back, though, I think part of this overreaction that we saw to Reinbacher and with the, and with the disappointment, I would say, toward the new hook thing, we had to deal with weeks of hype about the Canadians and Pierre-Luc Dubois. I mentioned, we discussed this, I think, briefly on social media, guys. You know, that's all we heard. All we, going back to last summer, he wants to play with Montreal. His agent said so, right? Oh, oh, look, two weeks ago at the, at the Formula One, he's hanging out with Cole Caulfield and part of, hey, hey, here we go. It's going to happen. Montreal's in talk. We hear Elliot Friedman saying, yes, Montreal has spoken to them. We know that they've talked at talks. Oh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. It, the hype got ridiculous and then you know two days before the draft he gets traded to los angeles big disappointment because so many people wanted him to come there they want to have the french canadian star that jonathan drouin couldn't fill that role sadly you know no knock against john uh, no knock against drouin by the way best of luck to him in colorado with his buddy nate i hope things work out for him there uh, but yeah, they want to have the big French Canadian star, even though, I mean, Dubois, terrific player, you know, terrific player, but he's not that superstar, but regardless, he was a name and they wanted this guy and he didn't get this guy. And then the next day he goes out and he trades for Alex Newhook. So kind of a letdown, right? And then in the draft, you don't get the big sexy pick. You go for the supposed safe pick, but Rewind back even further one year. Go back to last year's draft. He goes, they go off the rails, if you will. And they take Slavkowski over Shane Wright. Remember? Shane Wright was supposed to be the guy. Now I know, yes, in the final days leading up to the draft, we we're hearing all the reports that Slavkowski was, was starting to look like the presumptive favorite. But going into that draft, all the expectation in Montreal was Shane Wright. You Remember, people were showing up with Shane Wright jerseys on. And then they took the pick and it was Slavkowski and the roar that you heard that came out of people's mouths of surprise. It wasn't, yay, it's Slavkowski. It was, what? 
what? No, that but was then, cocky to me. But then, yeah. but then very quickly, very quickly, though, over the course of that round of that draft, fans started warming to this kid because they saw this kid walk up. They'd never seen this kid before. And he's a big lad. And he's standing up there towering over everybody. And then after he gives his interview, he's walking up through the fans and he's high-fiving and he's fist bumping and posing for selfies. And very quickly, Canadians fans are embracing this guy. And then a few, then a few picks later, we hear Gary Bettman says, we have a trade to announce. You may want to be interested. It involves Montreal. And we learn Romanoff is being traded to the Islanders for the draft pick. <gasps> Good God, Romy's going away. And then that pick goes to Chicago for Kirby Doc. And everybody cheers. They're thrilled. They're so happy. It's great. But yet, Kirby Doc was Alex Newhook. Okay? Slavkovsky was this unknown entity, right? that we picked over the sexy pick who was supposed to be Shane Wright, who everybody was saying was the next Patrice Bergeron. Right. And, but yet everybody was fine with that. By the end of the draft, everybody was happy. Everything was great. And they rolled on. So I don't, I, I guess I get that you wanted to get that score, but just the reaction, it just didn't make any sense to me in this year's draft. I just didn't understand why you had that reaction. And it finally clicked for me. It was just like, right, all the hype about Dubois. And then, of course, we saw all this hype about Michkov in the final couple of weeks leading up to it. And I guarantee you, a lot of the folks that were complaining about that pick, they probably they probably wouldn't have known who Michkov was until they got their draft guide two weeks ago. So they logged on to like NHL.com or Elite Prospects or they saw what, you know, whatever ranking was. And, oh, Oh, geez, this guy. This... Well, I kept asking people, Mitchkoff. I said, what do you know about him? Like, how many yeah. games have you actually watched him play? Yeah. No one no one could come up. I said, I'm sure you've seen YouTube highlights, the Michigan goal that he scored. Yeah. But how many Pretty games did you, how many, how does it, do you have the zone and do you watch the KHL Saturday morning? Mm-hmm. And, no, they don't. And on all <laughs> honesty, the KHL on the zone, they didn't play that team very much because it was a shitty team, right, that he played on. So and I said to him, said so, so all you know is what you're being fed. Yeah. Right? I saw I saw a very interesting comment here. I think it was yesterday. Uh I can't remember whether which publication it was. I think it was in the Athletic, I'm not sure. Uh, but they were saying that uh the quote was one of the scouts was saying, You guys are being hyped up on this guy by the media. The media is overhyping this kid. He's good. But he's he's got potential, but he's not as good as he's being made out to be. I, and people that I've had discussions, I'll say discussions. Uh, <laughs> um, they're like, "Oh, this guy's the next Govechkin. This guy's the second yeah. best offensive guy in the draft." This guy, yep. how do you know this? And I kept saying, "How do you know this?" Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, what have you seen in his game? And no one can really answer it. No. Oh well, that's what they're telling us. I said, "Who? Yeah. Who's yeah. telling you that?" I said, "Because no." scouting person or no whatever has them listed higher than five in the draft yeah right and i said to him i said so that tells me he's not the second best offensive guy and it's deeply offensive draft yeah right yeah so why are we youtube scouts yeah and that's what and that's and then when i read sam st laurent's thing who watched him play who watched (laughs) him play earlier in his career coming up and he basically said he has offensive gifts like no like no other 
Don't get him wrong. Yeah. And I'm not putting Mishkov that he could no. come in the NHL and be a 110 point scorer with 60. Sure. Goals, right. Uh, he said, but he said there's absolutely no defense in this game. None. Yeah. Zero. And it's just, I, I, you know, the other thing that I was hearing through all of this is, well, the honeymoon's over now for Ken Hughes. The honeymoon's over, you know, based on picks that he made in one draft and a trade that he made for a former first round pick who can play and is playing in the NHL right friggin' now. Right. And this is what we get. And I'm like, I said it beforehand guys, when I was on last time and we, you know, I said, has he not earned the benefit of the doubt with everything that he's done thus far? And evidently, evidently he hasn't. And that just goes to show kind of like, again, not all Habs fans, most Habs fans, you know, they're just like, oh, they picked who? Oh, okay, whatever. They don't know. They don't care. Ah, yeah, we'll see this kid. We'll see this kid in the fall, maybe. You know, most fans are not into this as much as we are. You know. Hughes is playing chess and Habs fan, Twitter Habs fans are playing checkers. They're not even playing checkers. They're eating the checkerboard. Yeah, they're, they're eating not even playing with it. Because he's yeah. like, this is our guy of the future. Sofkoski, this is our guy of the future. We're not picking for tomorrow. We're yes. picking for three to five years from now. Yeah. You know, Reinbacher, I think. I think they pick because they think he's going to be ready in a year or two. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think he's further along. So, yeah. Yeah. So two things. Mm. Uh, all these people are just watching YouTube and listening yes. to yeah. the experts who have their own private lists, whose job does not rely on getting the pick right. They don't yeah. care. Yeah. Whereas the Canadians, that's their job. If they, yeah. if they mess up a top five pick, they're done. Um, yeah. And then the other thing, is you, you you've been hearing Mitchkov's name for a few years? How often? How long have you been hearing Reinbacher's name? Because the, he hasn't he wasn't scouted as heavily in his teen years, earlier teen years, because yes. Austrian hockey is not that well scouted. So you didn't really hear about him. So you don't have that name recognition, which adds yeah. to it. And on your point, Lyle, with giving the benefit of the doubt to uh the, to management when they were hired on almost universal among amongst Habs fans that are complaining now were yeah. the same ones complaining that the the Canadians weren't using analytics to help guide the team well you you guys better buckle up because this is exactly what they're doing they hired yeah. on a massive analytics group and yeah. these analytics gurus are helping to guide the picks. That's why they picked Safkowski. That's why they've picked Reinbacher. Mm-hmm. Analytics played a key role in all of these picks. So you wanted analytics, you got it, but you're pissed off about that and you were pissed <laughs> off you didn't have it. So what is it? What do you need? Do you need a hug? Do you need a cookie? Well, what do you need? I still don't have to like analytics, do I? No. No, I hate. No. <laughs> but, but they also did. They also did another thing, and they hired a development team. That's right, mm-hmm. right, which I think yeah. was extremely important. And so, that was yeah, and that was something at, that withered and died yeah. during the Bergevin years. Yeah, and then you look at Slavkovsky, and I've always argued they're developing his game away from the puck. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, I agree. The NHL is not a place to do that. So when people say that, I'll agree with that. However, yeah. does it matter because Montreal is not trying to win a cup? Yeah, Montreal's not trying to make the playoffs. So does it matter if he does it at the NHL level or the AHL level? No, yeah. not really. Right. It matters because you're not seeing him put up 20, 25 goals in his rookie year when yeah. you think he should. Right. 
uh, I said, so they're developing the games of these young guys, but they're doing it in a way where they're like, we already know you can do that. We already know you can do that. We're not going to work on that. We yeah. already, we, we're not going to work on it. And right now, Sokoski's over in, uh, in uh, Slovakia. Yeah. working with a, a a strengthening coach and a mm -hmm. uh, I don't know he's doing something with blind glasses on and all this stuff and he's learning he, how to regulate his breathing yes that's one that's of the things, big yeah. things he's learning how to regulate his breathing better yeah, yeah. so he can uh, have a longer endurance and it's yes. uh, 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 trying to improve his skating as well yeah um which is and, exactly uh, two items that people complained about yeah and keeping his head down yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, you got it. Um, we talked about that before. It's the Eric Lindros syndrome. He's so used to being the biggest kid on on the ice that he never had to that everybody bounced off him. And but yeah. he even brought that up. He said, "I have to learn to yeah to keep my." He even said he has to do that. So you're complaining because he's not putting up all these points, and that he's learning how to do this part of the game when he should be free to do this. All right, but last year he complained that these guys weren't being developed correctly. Yeah. Oh, he should be in the AHL. He should be doing that in the AHL why he keeps his head down too much and there's so many goons in the nhl they're oh. gonna try to take his head off yeah personally i thought the nhl was the best spot for him maybe next year maybe this year he can go in the ahl for a bit i i don't see it i don't see them mm -hmm. doing that but i it's like you said blaine they're never satisfied we want analytics well you got analytics well we don't like the guys you're picking with analytics <laughs> we want development you got development. we don't like the way you're developing them <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's like, whatever. and again, but I mean, ordinarily we wouldn't be talking about these bozos, No, but it's just the fact that it just, this re reaction towards Reinbacher was just so over the top and mm. it just overwhelmed like Hab's Twitter. I mean, I just finally, as I said, I just in disgust, I posted up that, you know, you know, a year ago it was like, you know, before the draft, oh, in Hughes, we trust he's building the right way after the draft. He's a bomb, fire him. He's destroyed the team. He's worse than Reggie Hool. Why won't he listen to me? I've had actual guys say, you just pushed us back 10 years. But that's guy. what I'm saying. Yeah. There were people who I had one guy who actually said, this guy is as bad as Ray Janhul. And I'm like, and first of all, Reggie, love Reggie. Because again, terrific player, solid company man, got put into a job that he really shouldn't have been in, but he being a good company man, he wasn't going to say no, right? Yes, he as a general manager, probably one of the worst in NHL, in, in not NHL history, but in Canadians history, no question. But, you know, Ray Janhul took over a team that had a superstar in, Ray, in, in Patrick Waugh. And had a whole bunch of other stars as well, right? A team that was, you know, two and a half years out from winning the Stanley Cup. And he run it, ran it into the ground, drove it into the ditch. Ken Hughes took over a team that not only was in the ditch, but was upside down and on fire. Okay. I mean, it was that, sorry, it was that bad. The, the, just the collapse after going to the final the previous year, which was stunning. And it was, it had a lot more to do than just injuries. Injuries didn't help but it had a lot more to do with just than just injuries, you know, and to see the progress already from one year to the next in just his first year. I mean, there is no comparison to what Ray Janhul did because Ray Janhul came in, didn't have a clue. Okay. And he hired the first thing he did is he hired a coach who had no business coaching. Okay. You know, the Canadians brought in our neophyte as a coach as well, but somebody who knows how it's done. And you can see, you saw immediately the positive change and it's still carrying on. 
The reason why you're seeing these young kids up, guys like Slav still playing, is because they said in Montreal, they're trying to build a culture, a winning culture. And it starts with those kids. That's part of the reason why Joel Edmondson is now in Washington instead of finishing out this year and then maybe getting shopped at the trade deadline. You know, that's why. They need room. They need room for these kids to come up because this is the time. You know, it's important. They said, hey, if we can make the playoffs, that's fine. But that's our goal is to just is to get better and to learn how to win and develop these guys and bring out the best in them. And these kids want to play for San Luis. You know, he he's become San Luis is starting to become the way Barry Trotz was when he was with Nashville all those years. Those guys would go through a friggin' wall for Barry Trotz. And yeah. you're seeing it now in Montreal with San Luis because he believes in them. You know, if you make a mistake that ends up in the back of your net, you're not going to end up nailed to the bench for the, you know, for the rest of the game or spend time up in the press box for five games because he's got a, a spiteful hate on for you. No, he just says, don't, you know, just, hey, forget about it. Just go out and play your game. We'll work on it. So I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I, I have to confess, guys, my 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 anger has been kind of muted over the last few days. If we had talked about this the day after the draft, oh, the f bombs would have been flying, and I, yeah, it would have been a lot hateful. But I'm, um, I gauged as much by the fact you texted yeah. me right away and said, "Oh, I got shit to say. I got stuff to say. Uh, I just needed to get that out." But those are the those those fans though that we're talking about. Just to finish that off. Um, yeah, I'm just reminded about what Bob Gainey said when he became first year he was GM in Montreal. And the fans, as they did, hopped on their favorite whipping boy, Patrice Brisebois. And every time he touched the puck, they booed him mercilessly. And after that first game, you know, Bob Gainey talked to the press and basically said, we don't want these fans here. He called them gutless bastards. And that's what this bunch are that have been attacking a kid because... Your team picked this kid instead of your mystery man that you wanted. How dare he get picked? You're attacking this kid. Questioning the Canadians, that's one thing. Fair enough. You know, if you're, you know, but to attack that kid, no, you are what Bob Ganey called a gutless bastard. And you have no place with this team. You have no place with this fan base. We don't want you. We don't need you. Okay. You know, it's fine to criticize the team. It's fine to criticize management, right? You know, it. it, it to, I'm going to summon up a Ted Lasso episode, which if you guys are Ted Lasso fans, I'm sure you know the one I'm talking about, right? With Roy Kent in the press conference where he says, yeah, I get it. People play it, pay a ticket. They think they can say whatever they want to hockey players. But hockey players are more than just hockey players. They're also people, okay? And he did not need or deserve that shit. This, by the sounds of things, this kid is just probably wasn't even aware of half of what was going on and whatever he was seeing about it. It seems like he's not letting it get to him. Though I'm sure some folks in the media will be up chatting with him about it tomorrow when uh, they take the ice for development camp. But whatever, you know, bottom line is, I think we got a hell of a pick there at number five. The rest of the picks, we'll see what happens. This draft, okay, I give it a great B after last year. To me, it was an A+. And I think it just all kinds of balanced out. And let's just see how things shake out. And I think New Hook's going to be a fine addition to this club as well. Okay, he's not Dubois, but at least we didn't friggin' buy the you know 
overpay to try and get that kid. Yeah, you talk about giving up two draft picks. Would you like to have given up the equivalent of what the Kings gave up to the Jets to get Dubois? Who do you no. think that would be? That was but a great they, move by the Jets. Oh, they got a solid return there. They did get a solid mm-hmm, return. Yeah. Yep, they did. Uh, you know, let's see uh, how long. Oh, uh, uh, well, I know I can be catty and say, let's see how long it takes until Dubois is unhappy in L.A. and forces his way out of there. I don't think so. I think he's going to be very happy there. I, I think he's yeah. going to be very Just happy. on the Reinbacher thing, to leave on a positive note. Yeah. Uh, awesome job by uh, Bianca. And uh, I think her name is Patricia. I'm not quite. Uh, yeah, Patricia. Uh, Suzuki Pizza and by BX Lefori on uh, Twitter. They did up a copy of uh, a bunch of nice tweets, welcoming Reinbacher and all this stuff to Montreal. They did up a book for him. Uh, they got in touch with Chantel Maccabee and uh, they delivered it to him today at the uh, at the training facility. The training facility. Yeah. Uh, just to let him know that he is very appreciated by the Habs fan. It's just a little notebook. I think they just all they did was print off different tweets and that saying, you know, welcome to Montreal. Like, you know, we're glad to have you, blah, 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 blah. Gave it to him. He thought it was great. He was asked about it in the interview. And, and nice. you know, anyway, congrats to them. I just wanted to mention them uh, for doing that because I thought that was an amazing thing, especially with all the uh, what was going on and, and you know, how. It was even asked to Kent Hughes and a, I think, I don't know who it was. I think it was a bald guy from the Montreal Gazette uh, asked him about uh, <laughs> how Gallagher. he felt, how he felt about the reactions to, to whatever, like who asked the guy, who cares? Like get past it, go on. You know what I mean? Like move yeah. on. And uh, anyway, just wanted to have a shout out to them for doing that for him. I thought that was great and well done. Uh, good job. Yeah. I did a full on, uh, I shared a bunch of that and the the background to it on Cryer, uh, Cryer Media. Cryer's opening up an NHL uh, channel, and uh, that's one of the main pieces right now on Cryer. So you can check that out. You can see exactly what they've given, uh, the background to it. And uh, yeah, no, I agree. They did an amazing job. That's what you want to see from fans. You, mm-hmm. It's yep. a sport. You're there for entertainment. It's not life and death. You yep. don't have to. Sh- you don't have to strafe survivors in World War Two. <laughs> it's, it's a freaking hockey game. Oh it's god, just a game. <laughs> Man, oh that's still. On the one hand, it still makes me laugh, and on the other hand, it just right? infuriates me. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Would you commit yeah. a war crime? That's yes, what they're yes. asking. Would you yes. commit, Would you a, commit war a war crime? crime? Yes. No, I'm not Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh and and also too yeah and and also again to to those to those writers too i mean you know who kind of bought into come some of this hype it's like guys really you should know better like seriously some of you got some of these guys i'm talking about have done good work before in the past i'm sure they're going to keep doing good work going forward but some of them this was not a shining moment to sit down and and start you know um not so much they weren't so much ragging on Reinbacher, they really weren't but just to say that you know for Hughes oh this 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 could set us back this could this this could that it's like based on what (laughs) you know you know based on what for all we know all the kids he picked last year will turn out to to be bums and everybody he picked this year will go on and be big stars it's the way it works we don't know you know it's a crapshoot yep and uh on the on the positive note We'll we'll leave it at a positive note because I yes. feel like 
we really need that in this day and age. So um, any final thoughts, uh, Matt? Two things. Um, <laughs> one, just one. <laughs> Two things. Um, do you believe that uh, maybe a guy like Leah Sanderson can be another one of those buy low, mid high reward type players? Hmm. Well, he's had that chance before. People have been have have already done that with him, haven't they? They've they've done the 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 you know, the buy low. You know, I mean, it costs nothing to try, I suppose. But you know, they, Montreal's already got a got quite a lot of uh, young players in the pipeline here now that are going to be knocking on the door looking for their chances or are already on the team right now. So I, see, I don't think I, there's room for him. I see it more as a <clears throat> Richard left the team, Belzil left the team, et cetera. They mm -hmm, needed a little mm -hmm. bit more scoring and they went back to somebody that they were used that they that they had a relationship with. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um only other thing I gotta say yeah. is um my cousin Preston was um invited to um development camp for the Oilers. So congratulations to him. Yes. Uh Corey, if you're listening, uh it was Preston's dad. Uh congrats to him. I know the kid works really hard and uh Hopefully he really takes it all in and uh, try to get him on the show and uh, talk about his time there. Yeah, right on. Even if he does play for those shitty Oilers. Oh, did I say that out loud? No, no right on though. That's that's that. I I saw you posted that up on Twitter. I'm like, wow, man, that's impressive. Well, yeah, I'm very done. very happy for him. Well done. Good for him. Hope hope it goes well for him. He just needs to play defense, and he's in. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> All right, uh Treg, what about you? Uh nothing, but just on that Lee, I, I think he's just depth signing for the AHL. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna replace Richards, yeah. I think, in the AHL is yeah. what it's gonna do, and gonna be a call up if they need him in case of injuries. Yeah. That's a that's about it. Yeah. It's kind of uh, a, but, a Gurianov yeah. replacement, you know, yeah. up and down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh other than that, I don't have anything else. Thanks, Lyle, for coming on and uh yeah. You know, um, I totally disagree with everything you just said. But, uh, <laughs> oh, well, I, I expect Lyle you to be cranky when you're when you're when you're getting, you know, getting hey, for, for contests. So I'm 12 weeks out. So my prep starts this week. So oh, okay. the food's going to go down. The weights are going to go up. And uh, boy, you're going to be, be bitchy in a month. Holy crap. I am. I'm gonna yeah. post up pictures of me is. eating a big. Never cake. gonna be able to notice a difference. <laughs> <laughs> Don't think I noticed all the Nashville pics he kept sending on her little DM page there. Uh, <laughs> while I wasn't there. Don't think I didn't notice that. So not many pictures from Tootsie's. Not rubbing it in at all. Don't no. think I didn't notice that. My <laughs> wife wasn't impressed either. I just thought I'd let you guys know. Well, we messaged you, not her. Yeah, but she saw them. <laughs> She's told you guys to go fuck yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, uh, we wish you we, we wish you could have been there. there. We really do. We wish you could have yeah. been there. Well, Vegas next year, boys. Oh, there you go. There you go. You shouldn't have any problem with your flights then, boys. I'm pretty sure that that's a main route. So, yeah. Well, yeah. I will not be there. Nah. I will be just getting I'm back deployed. overseas. Ah, deployed. I should be there. Me and you, Matt. There Done. you go. <laughs> All right, Lyle, any uh, any final thoughts for you? Oh, well, I kind of vented my spleen here. So that was for the whole rationale for me to come up. Well, I did want to pop back on after after the draft and free agency. Yeah. And we already know they're not doing very much. Of, well, 
other than Anderson, they're not doing very much for free agency. Um, but uh, I think now let's just hope that now that the dust settles, people will be a lot more receptive to it, which I'm sure they will. Once they see this kid play, they'll, all of that nonsense will go by the wayside. So uh, I think just going forward, let's, let's hope that uh, we all have a, we all have a good summer. I hope everybody, all Habs fans have a good summer and uh, we can start uh, getting excited about this team again uh, in September. And uh, for me, I just want to say thank you, Lyle, for coming back. I, we, we really do appreciate you coming on. You're always welcome back. Um, well, thank help. you. You can even host the show for a while if you'd like. <laughs> I, got, I got enough on my plate as it is. I, I can't wrangle these guys in. They, they, they listen to you because they're afraid of you. I don't know what to do. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no, I know. Uh, yeah. Well, you don't again, even listen. Uh, yeah, he doesn't even listen. Exactly. Yeah, maybe we I'm in charge because I have the bigger beard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, yeah, yeah. Or is he compensating for something? Both. Ah, <laughs> uh, well. But uh, yeah, well, maybe uh, we get closer to September. Maybe in September we start getting toward training camp. We can sit down because I think, you know, as I think we all know now, once we get past uh, the free agent frenzy here, things are going to be pretty quiet and have land. So uh, yeah, probably get it closer to September. We can get a better gauge on what everybody looks like and, and uh, how these kids are looking and what are, you know, what kind of a team we're going to have heading into next season. All right. And for me, uh, again, thank you, Lyle. And to our listeners, uh, thank you for sticking with us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we do appreciate all the emails and messages that you've been sending. Uh, this is why we have di these different people coming on and the topics that we cover. So keep that up. Um, we might be doing a mailbag here soon, so keep an eye out for that. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.